secret bunker somewhere outside of Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning podcast, Reality. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for listening to this very special episode of Reality. My name's Sandman, and I'm going to be your guide this evening through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, Aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. Well, it appears that my last episode, the uh, Christmas uh, episode, the scary Christmas scary stories episode, was not my last episode for the year as I had intended for it to be. Unfortunately... On Christmas Day, which was just a couple of days ago as I'm recording this podcast, we had here in the downtown Nashville area a just a horrible event take place where a bomber drove in to the downtown area at uh, the intersection of 2nd and Commerce Streets uh, in an RV, and uh, it was loaded with some sort of explosive device. And uh, about 6.30 in the morning, he blew himself in the RV up, taking a uh, city block with him. Now, fortunately, nobody was hurt in this act. There were only three people who were injuries. The injuries were very minor. And the only person that lost their lives was apparently the bomber. So, as you can guess, there are tons of conspiracy theories already floating around out there as to who, what, why, all of this. And I kind of felt that as someone who is uh, based here in the Nashville area and who does a podcast about things like this, these kind of conspiracy theories and other strange events, that uh, it was, well, it's, it's kind of my duty to uh, do a special episode and talk about what has happened and try to dispel truth from rumor and uh, put down some of the more wild and uh, untrue conspiracy theories, the, the, the dangerous things. But before I do that, let me tell you, how you can contact with me, how you can contact me here at the podcast. Because, you know, there's, man, there are many ways that you can go about it. So here they are. First of all, you can always email me. That is the quickest, best, and fastest way to do it. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Second, you can always go to my Facebook page, look up uh, facebook.com slash sandman.parareality. That's sandman.parareality on Facebook. Post a lot of stuff on Facebook. I've been kind of dark on Facebook for uh, the last couple of weeks because I've just been taking a break from the podcast up until now. But uh, Facebook, I I post a lot of interesting articles and my viewpoints and opinions on things, and you can always uh, find out a lot about what's going on with me there on Facebook. Third of all, third of all, (laughs) that sounds really weird. (laughs) The third way that you can follow me or get in touch with me is to uh, just follow my Twitter account. My username is at 
Para Real Radio. That's Para Real Radio. And I now have an Instagram account. My username there is the same thing at Para Real Radio on Instagram. So Para Real Radio, Instagram, and Twitter. Email me, Sandman at Parareality.com or go to Facebook.com slash Sandman.Parareality to check me out there on Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel. It's a YouTube.com uh, slash user slash Parareality1, and that's the number one, Parareality1, on YouTube if you want to check out my YouTube channel. And, of course, you can always call me here on the studio line and leave me a message. The number is 615-692-1170. The number to call, once again, is area code 615, then dial 692-1170. You can always leave me a message 24-7-365 there on the studio line. Remember, though, if you call and decide to leave me a message, that simply by doing that, you are giving me permission to play your comment back on the air. So if you don't want that to happen, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. And of course, I'm always looking for interesting stories for the podcast. So if you've got a story or two that you want to tell, but you don't necessarily want to be on the podcast yourself to talk about it, if you just want to tell me, leave me a message and uh, tell me your story. I think I've got a three-minute time limit on the voicemail. That's okay. If you run out of time, call it back and pick up right where you left off. But just remember, if you do decide to leave me a message, that's giving me permission to play any and all of your message back on the air. So if you don't want that to happen, you'll need to let me know. All right, so let's start talking about this tragic event that happened here in the downtown Nashville area. So here is what we know so far as far as the timeline and um, the truths as to what has happened. And then we'll talk about some conspiracy theories, and I'll kind of bust down uh, what's what could be plausible in what's absolute just dangerous bunk as far as conspiracy theories go. So at 1.22 in the morning, on Christmas morning, December 25th, 2021, an RV pulls into the downtown area and parks at the intersection of 2nd Avenue and Commerce Streets. Now, if you're not from Nashville or if you've never been to Nashville, let me give you a, an idea of where this is. So Nashville is an old city, right? And like most older cities, uh, it was built in proximity to a body of water. And Na Nashville just so happened to be built right on the banks of the Cumberland River. Now, this isn't a huge river, but it's still a nice-sized river. It's a long river, and uh, it was a source of water, right? So where there's water, there's life. So they built Nashville right there on the banks of the Cumberland River, and the downtown area is literally on the Cumberland River. Um, and, of course, the streets are built in a grid pattern, you know, tic-tac-toe grid pattern. First Avenue runs right by the river. And you can almost spit into the river from First Avenue. It's that close. Second Avenue, one block over, one street over, right? There's another street that runs the opposite way. That's called Broadway. And Broadway dead ends right into the Cumberland River. 
Broadway is where all the action happens downtown. That's where all of your uh, clubs, bars, honky-tonks, live music venues, all your tourist attraction places. It's on Broadway. And everything in Nashville is jam-packed because Nashville is not a big city. The downtown is not that big for uh, an area that's populated as much as Nashville is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the the downtown area where everything happens is, like I said, right there on Broadway. And it's probably about maybe five or six blocks all jam-packed in there. So not a lot of, of, of real estate there. And uh, during tourist season, except for 2020, right? Hashtag COVID. But uh, during tourist season, during the, the warmer months, it is just packed like a sardine can down there, especially on the weekends. And there are a lot of people. I don't know what our tourist numbers are, but it's a lot. So you've got Broadway that runs straight into the Cumberland River and then going in the, in the opposite direction in the tic-tac-toe grid pattern. You've got First Avenue, which runs parallel to the river, and then one street over or one block over, you've got Second Avenue. Second Avenue is hooked on to that part of Broadway where there's a lot of stuff happening. So on 2nd Avenue, you have a couple of little museums and uh, touristy um, type shops and stuff, but it's mostly more of uh, upscale restaurants except for the Hooters, which was there at Commerce Street in 2nd. Um, Hooters got heavily damaged, by the way, tragedy. But anyway, there's, there's uh, several... Uh, more, I guess, upper-class restaurants on that area, that that couple of block radius that goes from 2nd and Broadway all the way up to 2nd and Commerce. And there are also some condos above a lot of... This is a historic district, so these buildings are old. And the restaurants and the shops are on the first floor, and there's a lot of condos that are on the second floors of these places, and third floor if there's a third floor. Not really heavily populated, but still, it's a prime real estate area there. So, where this guy parked was on 2nd Avenue, right past where all of the upper crust, the more uh, elegant restaurants are, um, which is a couple of blocks away from it may be three blocks away from Broadway. So he parks at, at the intersection of 2nd Avenue and Commerce Street. And this occurs somewhere around 1.22 in the morning. That's when they have surveillance video of this guy coming down 2nd uh, Avenue to park. So he sits there for a specified period of time till somewhere around 6 o'clock or 6.15 or so. And uh, it was probably closer to 6 o'clock. And he starts playing. Or this, now, this RV ha- is set up with at least one huge loudspeaker, this external speaker somewhere on the RV. The picture that is famously being circulated on the Internet does not show 
where this loudspeaker is. He, he might have been inside the RV, and he opened up a window and, and had it blasting out. I don't know. I have no idea. It could have been hidden in the grill. I, I don't know. Uh, but it seemed like it was quite a large speaker to have been blasting this this message out because it was a loud message. Um, so he starts playing somewhere around the six o'clock time, maybe a little bit before, uh, a little bit after six o'clock. He starts playing this nineteen sixties hit song by uh, Petulia Clark called Downtown. Ironically, he's downtown Nashville, Tennessee, playing this song. And it's it wasn't like a, a super mega hit, but it was a hit for Petulia Clark. And I I should have written down the lyrics, but it's basically saying, you know, uh when you're when you're lonely and you got nowhere else to go, you can go downtown and can, you know, drown your sorrows away downtown and downtown's full of lights and it's bright and you can go have a good time downtown. It's basically the theme of this song. So it's like he's taunting police or, or whoever. I, I, I don't know. And also sometime around this, this time frame, this six o'clock time frame, people are claiming that they heard gunshots. Now this isn't confirmed from anything that I have been able to ascertain. Uh, I've watched a bunch of news uh, press conferences. I've read uh, credible sources on the Internet. I've talked to police officers and people on the fire department, um, and uh, I can't confirm that there were actual gunshots going on before all this happened. It could, excuse me, it could also be that he had pre-recorded some gunshot sound effects and had those playing through the speaker. Um, That's also a possibility. Now, I do know, I was able to listen to some um, radio traffic uh, from the fire department personnel on scene trying to put out the fire and uh, the uh, command, the incident commander of the scene and they were saying how there were gunshots going off. However, they thought that that was the result of some of the cars being that were on fire from the explosion. They thought that that was the result of there being ammunition in those cars. In other words, those people the, the uh, probably had guns, uh, or at least ammo in their car, and they were being set off from the extreme heat. But this was after the explosion had taken place, and uh, EMS, fire, and police department were on scene, and they were working the scene trying to put out the fire and and, uh, look for for the injured and stuff like that. So I do know there were actual gunshots. Wasn't coming from the, the... ones that I know about were not coming from someone trying to shoot people. Now, there has been a theory that's been postulated that if the guy was shooting off a gun down, you know, downtown at 6 o'clock in the morning or playing a recording of 
gunshot sound effects that this was another way that he was trying to get people's attention and try to get people out of the area because he didn't want them to be hurt. Once again, that is totally not substantiated. I have found from the people that I have talked to, my from my insiders, uh, and from what I have gleaned from reporters and the internet and listening to press conferences, um, I can't find anything to substantiate that there actually were gunshots going off prior to the explosion. I do know that police were on the scene prior to the explosion going off. They had been called down for a suspicious vehicle. Now, what we haven't been told is what made people think that this vehicle was suspicious. I imagine that it was because it was an RV parked on the side of the road in the middle of downtown blasting music out of a loudspeaker. So when police got on scene, they recognized, oh no, this is something serious. There could be something to this. We need to start getting people out of here. So there were, uh, I believe, four police officers. Uh, might have been six. Six was six. Excuse me, six police officers who were on the scene, who uh, are absolute heroes, <clears throat> and they managed to get. Uh, they saved all, all the lives that were saved can be directly attributed to them. One of them got, was one of the uh, minor injured people. He just uh, lost his hearing temporarily from the uh, uh, concussion from the blast, the sound waves concussion from the blast. Um, but there were no serious injuries sustained, and there were no deaths, thanks to the quick action of these police officers. So now sometime around a quarter after 6 in the morning, there's an automated message that starts playing off of these loudspeakers. And it says, clear the area. You got like 15 minutes. And there's an alarm that's going off. And it's an automated message. And an alarm goes off. And they say, if you can hear this message, clear the area. Leave. You got 15 minutes. And um, it starts playing this. So once again, the police are down there, they're hearing this as well, and they're saying, we got to get all these people out of here, so they're trying to get people out. Now, I do have audio of this. I've tried to uh, um, clean it up a little bit and make it a little bit more clear because what, what you are, are able to glean off of the Internet, um, like YouTube and all the, the, the famous one comes from a, a surveillance camera that was uh, on YouTube that the footage was uploaded um, and that's actually where I got this from. I try to clean up the audio uh, as, as best as I can. So I'm going to let you hear this. Now, the the audio is actually from this surveillance camera. is actually about two or two and a half minutes long. And after the explosion occurs, there's just this uh, probably minute and a half long of like white noise and alarms and chaos and all this other sorts of stuff. You can hear stuff like crashing, kind of like debris and everything. But then right towards the end of it, about the last uh, 10 or 15 seconds of it, in the background, you can hear sirens from emergency response personnel who were already en route. Because, once again, thanks to the safe 
thinking of these six hero police officers whose names I wish that I had the forethought to write down. Um, but they uh, called the bomb squad. They activated the bomb squad. The bomb squad was on the way when this thing went off. So there was already emergency response personnel and the foreign police officers on the scene. They had already notified other people, and they were en route. So I guess it's really a good thing that all these people didn't get there any sooner or else we would have had a lot of, uh, we would have had some dead people. And that's something we got to talk about. Was that part of this guy's intent? But anyway, I'm going to let you listen to about 30 seconds of this clip. You'll hear the explosion and then I just kind of fade it out, but I try to clean it up as best as I could for you. So uh, this is the clip of uh, the alarm going off and then the explosion from the RV. So it was an automated thing, probably on a uh, some sort of recording or some sort of uh, countdown thing uh, for 15 minutes. If, if you can hear this message, evacuate. And then the closer it got, it said evacuate now. And then, of course, there was the explosion. You could hear all kinds of car alarms going off. And so for the, like the next minute and 30 seconds or so, you just hear just chaos. And then about the last 10 or 15 seconds, you're hearing the, uh, the sirens from emergency response personnel. And that happened at precisely 6.30. That large explosion from the RV took place, and it took out approximately one square block of the downtown area at the intersection of 2nd Avenue and Commerce Streets, historic district, by the way, of Nashville. Now, this caused damage to 40 buildings and pretty much destroyed one additional building. So we had 41 buildings that had damage. Now, one of the things that is of concern or of interest to this is that the man that perpetrated this crime parked his RV that was laced, loaded down with whatever kind of explosive material, he um, parked it right in front of the AT&T switching station building. So we have a famous building downtown. We call it the Bat Building because it looks like uh, the Batman's cow, and it is the AT&T building. Now, he didn't park it there at that building. There's another building a few blocks away from there where the switching station is for, they have a lot of stuff for their telephone lines, their internet, all that sorts of stuff. It's like a major hub here in the southeast 
that controls a lot of phones, landlines, and cell, and internet stuff. He parked it right there in front of that AT&T building, took it out. When it blew up, it just took it out. What that did was cause all kind of chaos. So he took out, there was enough explosives in that RV for him to take out approximately one square block, causing damage to about 40 buildings, partially destroying the AT&T building. There were buildings that were several blocks away that sustained damage from this thing as well. Windows were blown out all the way down uh, to the First Avenue area. So this was a very powerful explosion. And the blast was felt as far away as 20 to 25 miles. Some people who were, were actually that far away claimed that they felt the blast. Now, because the AT&T switching station building sustained damage, communications were disrupted in the entire Middle Tennessee area, all the way up into Kentucky and down into Alabama, even affected parts of Georgia. That's how important this building was. Another thing that happened was that 911 services in the Nashville metro area and all of the surrounding counties to, to Nashville, the, the county that Nashville sits in is called Davidson County. So Metro Nashville, Davidson County, and all the surrounding counties had their 911 services knocked out, completely knocked out of service. So they had to come up with alternate numbers for people to call 911 on. Uh, not necessarily 911, but for people to call in emergencies. It was like, you know, if you got an emergency, don't tell 911. Call this number here. It's like, you know, area code and seven digits. I mean, it's 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 crazy what they had to, to do to come up with this. So this was clearly a deliberate attack designed to take out communications, as far as I'm concerned. I just don't see how, I mean, it was either that or the guy just got dumb, stupid, lucky that he caused this kind of of chaos. But I'm going to reveal some information about this dude here in a little bit that's going to make sense. That that theory is going to make sense about disrupting communications, okay? Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I used to work for the DOD, contracted out, had a top secret clearance. So uh, I reached out to some of my sources who are still with the feds, and my federal source says that there was no indication that any terrorist groups were planning anything at all on Christmas Day All was quiet, so this came as a total shock, big surprise. So that's one of the first things you think about is terrorist act, right? Because of the location, because of what it did, all that. But really, we've come to find out that this 
was this a terrorist act? Absolutely all day long. This, Under today's definition of terrorism, this was a terrorist act. I don't think that this guy was associated with any terrorist group. I think he was acting on his own by himself, and he had some sort of, of message that he wanted to get out. So, I was hesitating on whether or not to give this guy's name out, but it's all over the place now, so I just might as well say it. The guy that did this, his name is Anthony Quinn Warner, and he's a 62-year-old gentleman that lived right outside of... uh, Nashville in this little suburb called Antioch. Not like, it's not the um, best area in Nashville to live, if you know what I mean. However, it's one of the older, more established areas um, surrounding Nashville and Nashville proper. So, some background about this guy that I have been able to ascertain. First of all, there is a lot of misinformation from conspiracy theorists out there about this guy, what he looks like, who he is or who he was, what his intentions were, stuff like that. So just let me tell you what the facts are about this Anthony Quinn Warner. So he's pretty much lived in the Antioch area all of his life. His address where the FBI and the ATF are rated, he's been there for at least 20 years. Very reclusive, kept to himself. His neighbors really didn't know that much about him. They said he was friendly. They said they would talk to him outside in the yard sometimes, uh, but they didn't really know anything about him because he wasn't that social of a guy. But when they would interact with him, he seemed nice. Now, there are some people out there who were saying, oh, this guy was a MAGA terrorist, a Trump terrorist. He uh, was pissed off because Trump didn't win. He's a, you know, white supremacist, or he's trying to, he's a a militant Republican. He's trying to make some sort of statement, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's right now, as of right now, there's nothing to indicate that any of that is true. Um, He had no political signs in his yard, There was no Trump sign, no Make America Great Again, nothing about, you know, Second Amendment rights. He made no comments to his neighbors when they talked to him about any of his political beliefs, and he seemed like he was a normal, sane, everyday guy. So as of right now, it is 7.43 p.m. on Sunday, December 27th, 2020, as I'm recording this episode, as of this moment, there is no, and I repeat, no truth to the fact, to the matter of him being uh, a Republican or a Trump supporter or anything like that at this time. There's nothing that I have been able to ascertain, nothing that has been come across the news, nothing from his neighbors that said this guy was a Trump supporter, and this was a retaliatory act because Trump lost. Now, that could come to light later, but as of this moment, no truth to that rumor, okay? 
what is interesting about this guy is that, number one, his dad worked for many, many years at Bell South Telephone Company. Bell South was bought up in the early 2000s, I believe, by uh, AT&T. And it wasn't long after Bell South was absorbed by AT&T that his father retired. So the feds, what I have been told, are looking through his father's employment history at Bell South to see if there's something that could explain why this guy might have had a grudge against AT&T. Maybe that he, some sort of perceived wrong that was done by, to, to his father by AT&T. We don't know. Nothing has been said about that at this time. A couple more interesting facts is this guy is a contractor uh, in the IT world. So he's into computers, and I don't know anything like exactly what he does with IT. I just know that he was a self-employed contractor with IT stuff. And his latest job, his latest contract, was working with a real estate agency, probably web development or something like that. Um, also in the past, he owned an alarm company, and he had some sort of license to deal in something with explosives. I don't know if it was to buy and sell explosives or if he was um, licensed to, you know, if maybe you have to be a, a, have a license to actually explode things, like, you know, if you work at a, a rock quarry or something like that. I, I don't know, but I have seen that in 2013 he was issued some sort of an explosives license. So this guy had all the necessary skill sets to pull off something like this. So there is a possibility that he had some explosives left over from when, you know, during those days he was dealing in that and uh, decided he was going to use it. Now, it's, it's also not a stretch to think that he got some info and some fertilizer and all that, just like a la Timothy McVeigh, because it's very easy to make your own fertilizer bomb these days. Um, and you saw what Timothy McVeigh did with a fertilizer bomb with the uh, McMurrow building. He took out half of the building and would have taken out the whole thing if he'd have had uh, the correct placement and everything of his truck. Uh, so it, my point is this guy had something to do with explosives, so he knew what he was doing when it came to explosives. He also had the, the, the skills to use the technology for computer stuff, and with his alarm company background, that's probably where the – loudspeaker came from with the automated voice that was going on. Um, I mean, it, it all adds up for, for, you know, him to be able to use all of these skills and the fact that his dad worked for Bell South, who was brought up by eight, who was uh, bought by AT&T. And then he parks in front of the AT&T switching station. That's, that's a lot of red flags. Okay. So those are all the things that we do know that are substantiated that, yes, Anthony Quinn Warner was the perpetrator. This was his background. This was what he did. And 
we have it has been confirmed as of this afternoon at four o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time that Anthony Quinn Warner was the man who blew up the RV and took out the AT&T switching station. Um, they found pieces and parts of him on Second Avenue downtown. Uh, they described it as tissue. Now I don't know what kind of tissue it was. It could have been anything, um, but. It was pieces and parts of him, and what they did was they uh, took some DNA out uh, of a vehicle that he was known to have owned and been in and compared that DNA to the DNA from the tissue, the body parts that they found, and those were a 100% match. Uh, Quantico confirmed that as of midnight last night. So there's no doubt that this Anthony... Quinn Warner person was the perpetrator of this incident and that he is dead. He blew himself up in that RV. Another interesting thing to note is that the RV that he used, he's had the RV for a while and neighbors reported that, oh yeah, we haven't seen that RV in a couple of days. Well, there's your reason why. Now, since yesterday, the federal government along with the local authorities here in Nashville, have been, they, they raided his house and they've been taking all kinds of evidence and stuff out. But one thing you never heard was, uh, they said, you know, this guy's our suspect, but you never heard anything about this guy. The feds didn't release any info on him. No one made a comment about him except for that he was the suspect. And you could see on the news where they're going in and out of his house taking shit. So... Where, where where was this guy, right? No one said anything. I think because they probably knew at that time or had a really high degree of suspicion this guy is dead. But they never come out and said it, and they never gave any background information on this guy, which to me is, a, is highly suspect. Because normally when they have all of this evidence and they know that this is the guy, you're going to start hearing stuff about his background. Now, as of right now, I haven't really heard anything since the 4 o'clock press conference, but that was only almost you know four hours ago. Uh, 10 o'clock news is going to come on here in a couple of hours, and I'll be able to watch it then. Maybe they'll have something. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Now, maybe the feds learned their lesson from the whole Richard Jewell thing back in the 90s where they had some – very shoddy circumstantial evidence in a uh, federal agent who just thought that Richard Jewell was the guy and they came out and said it and it turned out it wasn't him. Maybe they don't want to repeat of that and I don't blame them. Uh, but regardless, it, I just find it very weird that they haven't released any information about this guy. Everything that you, you had to find out about him, we, the internet sleuths, have done it ourselves. Now, so we know the facts. We know that he worked with explosives. We know that he had an alarm company, and we know that he worked in computers in some shape, form, or fashion, and that he had a connection to the AT&T building. Okay? So all those are facts not going to be disputed. But with all of this comes conspiracy theorists, right? So I've already shot down the fact that it doesn't appear that he was a Trump supporter. He was not a what they call a, a, a MAGA terrorist. Um, so I think we can rule that out. 
there's no evidence at this point in time to point to him being part of some sort of terrorist cell. Um, there's no uh, evidence to support that um, he was a uh, like a, a Second Amendment right person trying to make some sort of statement or or anything of that nature. This appeared to be a suicide bombing. But what really is the at the the crux of all this is that he was very obviously making a statement. You don't just if you're gonna if you want to go out by blowing yourself up, you can do that. But you don't have to do it in the middle of downtown on Christmas Day making a big spectacle, playing all this damn music and uh, loudspeaker shit and all this other sorts of stuff. You can go in the middle of a field somewhere uh, and, and, and blow yourself up. And you and you're certainly don't need to do it in front of an AT&T switching station and cause a freaking collapse of the communication system in such a, a you know, in a four-state area. That's how important this was. So he was making a statement. Okay. What was his statement? What point was he trying to get across? I have not heard if there's been anything found, no note or anything like that. I have no idea if he's left anything behind with his plans or left a, you know, a suicide note or a manifesto or anything of that nature. They've not said anything yet. I'm sure we'll find out more in the days to come. But as of right now, it's still a big mystery. So was this guy, did he have a grudge with AT&T? Was he trying to get back at AT&T? Now, it's very possible that that was the whole thing. Why he wanted to kill himself during all this, I don't know. Maybe it was just because he, he said, well, I'm going to do this plan. I'm going to blow up the AT&T you know, switching station. But I know I'm going to get caught, and I don't want to go to prison, so F it, I'll just, I'll just die. I'll just blow up with it. It's a very distinct possibility with all that. What scares me, though, is that it's – there's a possibility that he was trying to draw in some of our first responders to get there to the scene to take them out. So did he have some sort of grudge with the Nashville Police Department, the city government of Nashville, the fire department, EMS, uh, all of the above? Um, I mean, he went to great lengths to get civilians out of the area because he obviously didn't want those people to die. But when you do something like that and you make an announcement that, Hey, there's a bomb, uh, you need to clear the area. You know that police and the bomb squad and the fire department and all those people are going to be coming to the, the location. So was he trying to take out some of the, some of Nashville's finest along with the AT&T building? Those are the two conspiracy theories that there can be something legitimately attached to with that. All this other stuff is basically bunk. Now, it is a classic tactical 
thing for terrorists to uh, try to take out responders to to stuff like that. They'll do a small explosion or they'll uh, make something happen and you get people to the scene and then after they get there, then that's when the real bomb goes off, you know, um, or they will um, try to uh, cause some sort of disruption in some other way and have a whole bunch of first responders come to the area and then try to kill them with a blast or, or shoot them or something like that. You know, <coughs> there's also a possibility that if he was not acting alone, which right now there's no evidence to support that theory, but if he was not acting alone and he was part of some group if he was a MAGA terrorist, okay, was this a test run, right? Was this the first in a series of, of attacks? Was this, did the mission get accomplished, which was to disrupt communications or to see how easy it would be or to see, you know, what dis communication systems would be disrupted? Um, I certainly hope that that's not the case, we have no reason at this point to suspect that he was part of a any type of terrorist cell or that this was uh, part of a larger plan or a test run or anything like that. It is right now believed to be nothing more than a suicide bombing. What we don't know is why did he pick that location and why did he do what he did? Those are the two unanswered questions as of this moment. So all of these conspiracy theories about him being a terrorist or a, a, a MAGA terrorist, a Trump supporter, um, all this stuff is, is as of now, it, you, I can pretty much say that that's bunk. It's just it's, it's unsubstantiated. Um, I've seen pictures of uh, supposed uh, uh, images from his Facebook account where he was standing with all of these uh, Trump flags and signs and posters and a big gun and a MAGA hat and all this absolutely made up 100% false. I've looked for his Facebook account. I did not find a Facebook account for this guy. So that can mean only one of two things. Number one, he never had a Facebook account. Or number two, if he did, it's already been taken down, which is highly possible if he did have a Facebook account. I have not seen it. If it existed, can't find it. I've seen a couple of supposed other pictures of this guy. One picture of him from high school where he had long hair all the way down his back. That is not him. The official high school picture of him shows a guy with short hair and glasses. Um, I have not seen an official picture posted of this guy that is recent. So that, to me, once again, is a little bit suspect the fact that there's no recent picture of this guy. Now, he did have something to do with IT, right? So it would make sense that he would have a Facebook page, right? I mean, Facebook's been around since, what, the mid-late 2000s, 2009, something like that. So he would have been, in, if, if I can't remember how long Facebook, but if Facebook came out in 2009, and he's been a member of Facebook since 2009, that was... 11 years ago, 
and he's 62, he would have been 50 or 51 when he got a Facebook account. So, I mean, you know, you can say, well, people who are in their 60s don't generally have Facebook accounts or don't create Facebook accounts. Yes, that is true, but if he's had one since Facebook first came about, then he would have been in his early 50s and probably maintained it. If he was a Trump supporter, um, you know, they're like rabid cockroaches all over Facebook. So, But once again, we have no reason to believe that he was uh, a Trump supporter. Speaking of Trump, I want to say that I think it is just a goddamn travesty that this cowardly bastard is he's so pissed off that he lost the election that he's not making any kind of statement about what happened here in Nashville. I mean, come on, you I mean, you don't have to declare this a national emergency, but you at least as leader of the free world you at least should make some sort of statement of, oh, God, I am so sorry that this happened in Nashville. What can the federal government do to help you? You know, something. Say, say gosh, I'm sorry. I mean, he's on Twitter 24-7, no tweets, nothing. And that's just that just shows the kind of, of caliber of a person that, that he is. He so, seems to be so concerned that he didn't win the election that he's letting that take precedence over, I don't know, running the country, you know, but this is not a political show, so I'm not even going to say anything else about that. But, so there you have the facts as I know it. The two big conspiracy theories here are, you know, why did he do it and why did he choose that location? So you got two whys, you know, why did he do it? Why did he choose that location? And I think once we find out the why he did it type deal, uh, we'll have the answer to why did he choose that location. And I'm hoping that, that in the, the next several days that they can find you know, uh, the answer to that out. Like I said, he was making some sort of statement. Just don't know what that statement was. You just don't do what he did and make that big of a deal out of it without there being some meaning behind it. If you want to kill yourself, there are lots of other ways that are way more subdued to kill yourself than blowing yourself up on Christmas Day in a historic district of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. So, yes, it was domestic terrorism based upon what the current definition of terrorism is. No, I don't think he was part of a terrorist plot. No, I don't think he was a MAGA terrorist. And no, I don't think that this guy um, was completely sane. You don't do something like that if you're completely sane. But he did spend a lot of time planning this. That is very obvious. So there it is. There's everything that we know. Shooting down some conspiracy theories, laying out a couple of other conspiracy theories for you. Um, hopefully we'll know more in the next few days. If, if anything of any significance comes out of this, I will be doing a follow-up podcast on this. But uh, that's everything 
that I know as of right now. And and by the way, I did forget to mention sometime this afternoon there was a police chase that spanned over a couple of counties that involved a white van that was supposedly publicly blasting the same warning that Warner did on his RV going around saying this. I don't know if that's true or not. I could find nothing on the news. My my wife actually, uh, someone told her, she read about it. Some, something came across on her phone, and she was asking me if I knew about it. I've tried to look up all kinds of stuff on it, can't find it, and there's been nothing said about it on the news. But supposedly, that's what was going on. Don't know if that is true or not. It is unconfirmed as of this time. Wasn't even going to mention it, but I'm like, yeah, you got to for the conspiracy theorists out there. You know, I think that was probably, you can chalk that up to just a, a, a dumbass, a wannabe copycat out there. So, yeah. So there you go. There's all of the truths and the lies that are out there. And I hope I've tried to set some of the story straight and, and did enough so that you can know what to believe and what not to believe. So you always got to vet all your sources, right? All right, everybody, that about does it for this very special final episode. I think maybe final episode. I don't know. Maybe more to come of uh, season 14 of Parareality. Man, so I hope that you enjoyed this very special episode. Let me know what your ideas and thoughts about it are. Send me an email. Sandman at parareality.com or get in touch with me through my social media accounts. That would be Parareality page on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash sandman.parareality or look me up on Twitter and Instagram, same handle, Radio on Twitter and Instagram or call that studio line. Let me know what you think about the show. Leave me a comment. Tell me a story, whatever. 615-692-692. 1170. Leave me that message. Just remember that by doing so, uh, you're giving me permission to play your comment on the air. So if you don't want me to do that, you need to uh, let me know. And also, please don't forget to go check out parareality.com. Got the website uh, right now. It's not, the new website is not up and running. It's still on the old layout, but I do have a new layout that I'm, I'm working on. And as of January 1st, it's going to make its debut. But make sure you go to check out parareality.com. You can watch a lot of show videos there and uh, keep a track of the latest paranormal news from all around the world. That content's updated almost daily. And, of course, you can also shop on the Parareality Radio store, the swag shop, get you some shirts, hats, mugs, pillows, whatever. I've got it right there in the Parareality store. And... Um, I've also got a Patreon account now. So if you want to uh, become a member of Patreon, if you want to be a what I call agent of chaos, K-A-O-S, chaos stands for the Knowledgeable Apprentices of Sandman. If you want to be an agent of chaos, just join the Patreon group. There are three different levels. All are very affordable, $5 a month or less, and you have the ability to, 
depending on what level you choose to uh, get some extra show swag. You can listen to some special episodes available only to Patreon members. You can appear as a guest on the podcast, or you can uh, be a co-host on the podcast. So, you know, pretty cool stuff there on Patreon. If you want to be an agent of chaos, go to patreon.com slash parareality and uh, read all about it. Become an agent of chaos. All right, everybody. That about does it for this episode. I'm going to leave you, instead of my normal outro, I'm going to play that song Downtown by Petulia Clark. Um, I, You know, I always post all my shows on Facebook and uh, on Facebook, on uh, YouTube, and if I got some, you know, questionable content of copyright, they'll give me a little, you know, slap on the wrist. So this is probably the reason I'm waiting to the last part of this is uh, – just because I want some people to be able to hear all of the the episode and if face damn it, if YouTube cuts out a portion of it or whatever because of their dumbasses are being so militant and stupid, then uh, at least it'll be the very last thing that you can that, that'll be there, right? So I'm gonna close out the episode with uh, Petulia Clark and her hit downtown that was blasting out from. Anthony Quinn Warner's RV on Christmas Day 2020. Everybody, I hope this podcast opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that everybody had a great Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful New Year's Eve. And... If I don't see you again before the end of the year, my next episode is going to be on the premiere date for season 15, January the 1st, 2020 at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. Here's Petulia Clark. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose the light so much brighter there? Can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No final place for sure. Downtown, everything's waiting for you. Downtown. Don't hang around and let your problems surround you. There are movies. Shows. Downtown, maybe you know some little places to go to where they never close. Downtown, just listen to the rhythm of a gentle bossa nova. You'll be dancing with them too before the night is over. Happy again, the lights so much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares. So go. Where are the-
can't forget 